Today's read, Midnight and the Meaning of Love by Sister Soja, Part 3, Korean Drama, Chapter 10, Reflecting. In the cool breeze before sunrise, I ran Hyundai Beach, my same route. When I arrived in Kwang An Lee, the banana and fruit and water vendor was just setting up. Probably he was surprised that I popped up in the early morning and that I wasn't buying my usual after sunset order. I simply said, and kept it moving. I searched out a cab with a sign in the window that read, We Speak English or International Taxi. There were many because Busan was designed to absorb the tourist treasure. I hopped in. Can you drive as directed? I asked the cabbie. Bo, he said, which means what in Korean. I'll tell you left, right, straight, whatever. Understand? Agashmila, he said, which means I understand. I had my homemade map in my hand. I called out left, right, straight, up, down, and he followed. We arrived at a place called Taijongdai Park. My cab driver said that he couldn't drive his vehicle any further than that. I paid him and got out. There weren't many more directions remaining on my mapped out trip. Since no vehicle could move beyond the location where I was now standing, I walked the route, following my map as I had written it. Do not enter was written in every language, and every other sign said, unauthorized area, in every language. And then I knew the military hideout that I was abducted to was somewhere right beyond the borders of Taijongdai Park. I didn't have any intention of running up in there like a kamikaze or a one-man army bent on revenge. Instead, I only wanted to know where I had been taken. I wanted to see it in the daylight, the route going and coming, neither of which I could see Friday night when I was captured or when I was blindfolded and driven back Saturday afternoon. I didn't say shit to anyone, but I was astounded by the nerve of the general, as well as his range and power. The idea that someone could use military monies for personal reasons and to smash or intimidate one young man on foreign soil was mind-blowing to me. When I read the book about Naoko Nakamura and his complaints about American military bases on his Japanese land, I didn't fully understand the insult of them. But now that I had been held on some kind of base populated by American soldiers or recent recruits, it was becoming more clear. Chiasa said those bases were like little Americas inside a foreign country. She said they had their own separate world in there. And she was right. It was a mini America with Campbell's soup, Rice Krispies, cornflakes, and Duncan Hines cakes. There was no chicken galbi or kimchi or samjang tang. 
Samgyanteng in there. As far as authority, the American military could kidnap a person, play with him and his life, torture him, and then erase the incident as though it had never happened. If I ever broke my word and brought it up, which I would not, they would probably plaster pictures of my face in the press, portraying me as an insane guerrilla terrorist, someone who had attacked them. Standing on an observation deck inside Taejongdae Park, the part that's open to the public, I felt close to the sky. I was the only one up there at this high altitude early Sunday morning. Reaching here had been another awesome climb up steep and some winding hills on paths built only for the fit and toned. Now I was here. As I glanced down at my sneakers, I saw the incredibly steep drop down into the sea. It was a drop riddled with jagged edges of massive rocks. Even a professional diver would die here. He'd die because the drop down was too far. He'd die because the rocks were so sharp and random that one of them would detach his head before he even hit the water. Billions of gallons of water moving. These waters caused my soul to move also. Akimi's mother, Ju Yoon, wrote it right. Everyone was nothing compared to Allah who created the sky, the thunder and lightning, the oceans and mountains, the waterfalls and the sun and the moon and stars. No president or prime minister or king or diplomat or general or army could compare None of them could bring into existence what Allah created. Allah was and is completely overwhelming and above comprehension. But man was also created by Allah. It seems that man has always wanted to control it all, but who controls man when he becomes too corrupt? Is that the job of the believers? There was a heavy wind way up high where I stood, although it was too early for tourists. Boats and ships from China and Russia were crossing the waters right before my eyes, their holds filled with cargo. I guess the world would be a sad place for any man who didn't understand the hustle and how to hustle or how to get involved and get a piece of the action. A man like that would be the same as a roach. No, an ant. <laughs> uh-uh, a tick. Then my personal thoughts came to the surface. What would Chiasa say if she knew that her father was someone who would stick his hands in and try and rearrange someone else's fate? I wasn't as vexed with the general as I was with Nakamura, though. I believe in fathers and fatherhood. If a man can't or won't protect his women and daughters, his existence is pointless. 
At least the general was making himself clear before the marriage. Before inking his approval and applying his stamp, before the Ajit and the Nikah, and before I had gone into his virgin daughter. Because, of course, once all of that had taken place, there would be absolutely no turning back. I thought about Akimi, my wife. She was certainly enough. Having Chiasa had nothing to do with Akimi not being enough. It had to do with a separate bond that was created by a circumstance beyond my immediate control. The same way that Chiasa had been given to me in the first place, I was sure that she was mine whether or not my eyes would ever see her again. Chapter 11 Black Sea Black Sea and me met up. I got something I want to show you. Maybe I can get your opinion, he said. No problem, I told him. We hopped on one of those crazy city buses and played the back. I want to come to the U.S., he said. For what reason, I asked him. To make money, hook up with some real movers in hip-hop, dance in some videos. So, you're going to work in some laboratory during the day and rock your Kangol and gazelles and Adidas at night. De, he said, hyped up, which means yes in Korean. He pulled a flyer out of his pocket. I'm throwing a party on this Friday night. Run through, he invited me. I don't know if I'll still be around on Friday. I gotta get back to New York. So, if I make it out there to New York City, will you show me around to, like, the real spots? Not like the Statue of Liberty and shit like that. I'll show you around. You decide what's real and not real for yourself, I told him. Maybe you could be my manager. That would be great. You hook up all my business. Keep 10% for yourself, he offered. I just laughed at the thought. We got off in Siomyeon, which was a section of Busan that was like Shinjuku, where I first stayed in Japan. We moved past a bunch of busy businesses, beer spots, sneaker joints, vendors, and curious cats playing Go on a card table set up on a curb. Eight minutes in, we came up on a record shop. He stopped before heading in. Look, through the glass, he told me. I looked. What am I looking for? I asked him. A shorty, he said, imitating my talk from last night at the Chicken Galby spot. I looked again. There was a shapely 18 or 19 years young African girl in there. She was dark like chocolate with almond eyes, rocking one pretty afro puff at the top of her head. Her jeans were tight enough to stop traffic. She was playing a record. She tapped her fingers on the counter, then tapped her foot. 
and soon her body bounced. She smiled wide and threw her head back and then threw her shoulders into her dance right behind the cash register where she was working. That's you? I asked him. I want. I wish, he said. So what's stopping you? I asked him. Are you afraid of girls like them Japanese boys? I knew that would get them tight. I'm not afraid of her. It's my father, my mother, my whole family. They would kill me. Worse than that, they would disown me. So, what are you going to do? I asked him. That's why I'm asking for your opinion. Have you said anything to her? I asked him. Agno, he denied it strongly, like a man accused of some crime. I just go in there every couple of days and buy records from her. If she's not here, I leave and don't buy until she comes back. How serious are you about her? I asked. I brought you all the way over here to see her, he said. I haven't brought none of my boys over here to see her. Not once. That's a bus trip. That's nothing, I told him. Would you fight for her? Fight, he said. Like he didn't know that for men, fighting was automatic. I'm a dancer, not a fighter. You look like a fighter, he said. Yeah, I was your manager. Now I'm your security, I joked. Would you marry her? Marry her? He said, like he never heard of that concept before. I just want to play with her? I asked him. I didn't say that, he said. If you want to find out your true feeling for a girl, just ask yourself. What am I willing to do for her? Would I fight for her? Would I work hard for her? Would I kill for her? Would I marry her? If you think about it, and the answer to all those questions that you asked yourself is no, she ain't the right one, I explained. He fell silent. If you couldn't even imagine her as your wife, that means you're setting up to disrespect her. I said. He listened as though he was really considering my words. It's not like that, he said. In Korea, nobody marries so young. We have to go to school forever and then the military. Then we have to get a great job. Then when we are like 27 or 28, our families start pushing us to marry someone who they think is best. So what are we doing over here then? If you can't even imagine yourself marrying her. If I did, we would have to move to China or something. No one around here would accept us, he said. There's nothing more important to Koreans than blood. Blood, I repeated. Yeah, blood, don't ask. What you and your wife did, that was bold. 
I want to be strong like that, but I would never want to lose my family. Forget her then, I told him, testing him. I don't want to forget her. She's the real one I like. If you don't fight with your fists and you're afraid of telling your family your true heart and you're scared of standing alone while doing something that you think is right, why should this girl even want you? I tried to be real with him. I liked him, but hated cowards. Come back after you man up and after your feelings grow strong enough for you to confront your parents. Until then, just come and stare at her through the window. What if I let my feelings grow and I get stronger and when I come back, she already has someone else? I should just at least find out if she already has a man, right? He asked me. Yeah, find out, I told him. Wait, why this girl, I asked him. I was hoping it wasn't just how nice her butt fit into those jeans. I thought that wouldn't be a good fight or trade-off for any man. It wasn't enough. Look at her. I love her personality. All of her feelings just show up. It's like she is enjoying life more than everyone, he said. And it sounded true. Does she speak Korean? She speaks English and Korean. Her mother is Korean, he said. And her father, I asked. I don't know. Probably a military man. They got a bad reputation. They never stay around for their family. That's why this girl who I like would be considered low status in Korea. You're probably thinking it's only because she's black, but it's more than that. In Korea, if you don't have a mother and father married into a hard-working family, you are the same as trash. Do you think she's trash? I checked. I know he denied it. Okay, let's go in, I told him. Here, wear this. I gave him my fitted. He smiled like it was a magic hat. Never wear this bootleg shit. I pointed out the shape of his hat and the string running across it. Get new era fitted hats. Give me that. I took his and trashed it. That's the same as trash, I told him. We went in. I played the back and watched while fronting like I was checking out the music selection. It didn't take too long for me to notice that Black Sea was frozen by the counter fidgeting with the hat, wearing it straight, then moving it around on different angles. I didn't have a lot of time. I went up front. Have you seen him in here before? I asked her. She looked up and smiled. Many times, she said. He wants to hang a flyer up on your wall. He's having a party on Friday night. You must have heard about it. A flyer? A party? Where? She asked. Let me see it. Black Sea pulled the flyer out and opened it. He said he wasn't afraid of this girl, but I could see 
clearly how nervous he was. He handed it to her without pushing out one word. He's a breakdancer. Let me introduce you. His name is Black Sea. Black Sea, she repeated, soft and suspiciously. And you are? She asked. I'm his manager. How about the flyer, I asked. I have to ask my supervisor, but he's not in right now. My man can't wait too long. He'll be moving to the United States to perform, I said. Oh, really? She smiled, impressed. If you can give him your name and number, he can call you and check on the flyer situation tomorrow, I told her and handed her a pen from my pocket. She looked at me suspiciously. Then she wrote her name and number on a piece of paper, and just as she got ready to slide it across the counter, I said, Black Sea, this is Sarang. Love, he said. She smiled. I was confused, but I walked away and left him to work the rest out on his own. I waited outside with my back on the window. When I checked, they were in there talking. She was still smiling, so that was a good sign. Three minutes in, and she was changing the record. He was showing her one of his moves, and she was dancing while watching him dance. She tried to learn his move and show him something, too, until some customers lined up. Her name means love, Black Sea said when he came out, beaming like a bum in the bakery. She's studying at Busan University of Foreign Studies. She plans to be a lawyer. I got her number. Man, you are my jingle. You know what that means? He asked me. Nah, you are my friend. I don't know what that means in America, but in Korea, a jingle is a friend and friendship is for life. You and me got Jung, he added. What is that? Jung, I asked, remembering that the professor had brought that word up the other night. It's an unbreakable bond. It's a loyalty and a trust that you can expect and depend on for life. It means no matter where you may go in the world and no matter where I am or what distance or troubles might be separating us for the moment or even for a very long time, we remain friends for life. Koreans have jung with our friends, our brothers and sisters, our parents and our wives and children. He was speaking on it passionately. As we walked through the streets, I could tell from his tone that he meant it. I thought about Chris and Amir. They are my true friends still. We never had a talk between us openly the way that Black Sea was relating to me after knowing me for only two or three days. For the rest of the afternoon, I hung with him while he shopped for some kicks and jeans and shirts. He wanted to buy the exact ones that I had on. Before we, w- we each went our way, we exchanged addresses and all of our information. Since he had opened up to me, I felt obligated to let him know he probably wouldn't be seeing me until either he came to the States 
or I returned to Busan. He was the only person I had ever written out my queen's address for besides my lawyer. Yo, hold up. I called him back. What does Gong Pai mean? He frowned. Who told you that? Did someone call you that? I didn't explain. I just wanted him to answer. It means gangster, he told me. Chapter 12 The Curtain We'll go get gas while Akimi collects her things, Danghua said, when I met him behind Baraga where he pulled up. I opened the door and extended my hand to help my wife step out of the van. She was wearing a new dress. At least it was one that I had never seen. It was soft like taffeta, a deep, rich green with tiny pleats and wide sleeves shaped like the kala lily flower. The pleats ran all the way down the dress which was cut at her calf. She was wearing comfortable casual espadrilles on her pretty feet. Her hair was wrapped in a sea green silk scarf. Her diamonds still threw light even in the dark. Inside her room she smiled to see that I had already packed her stuff. None of it was professional or gift wrapped and ribboned like when Mayu, her Japanese house manager, had packed it. But it was folded neatly as clothes and shirts are folded and stacked the way I handle my clothes. I had fantasized about her as I packed her belongings. It wasn't the predictable items like her little panties and bras or nightwear that I had made love to her in. It was her high heels, shoes, sandals, and boots. Mayonaka Chiasa talk? Akimi asked out of the blue. No, I answered her truthfully. She was searching me with her eyes. Come here, I told her. She came. I held her in my arms. The fabric of her dress felt nice against my skin. She laid her head against my chest. Then I asked her, Akimi likes Chiasa? Yes or no? She pulled back only enough for us to face one another. Hi, Akimi like, she said. Akimi Chiasa see, she added after a pause. Akimi wants to see Chiasa, I asked, gesturing to see with my finger pointing at her eyes. Hi, she said softly without a smile. Akimi, my onaka, fly home. I motioned a plane flying through the air to New York this week. She smiled and jumped on the bed. She stood up on the mattress to pull down her curtain. I stepped up to help her. When my hands were in the air, bringing the rod down so she could reach the cloth, she turned and faced me and asked, Mayonaka Chiasa likes? She pulled the curtain off the rod and held it. I put the rod down and laid it on the mattress so we could put the Baraga's curtain back on it. Mayonaka. I put my hand on her heart. Loves Akimi. Mayonaka. I put my hand on my heart. Loves Chiasa. I showed and told her. Without three seconds passing, three tears spilled out from Akimi's 
left eye. Mayanaka loves Akimi. Akimi Ichiban in Mayanaka's heart. Then I said what Dong Hua's son had taught me in the night before in Korean. Mayanaka loves Akimi forever. Mayanaka will never leave Akimi alone. If Mayanaka goes anywhere, he will always come home to you. I kissed her face beneath the eye where her three tears fell. I did not ever want to hurt her. I wanted the two of us to always talk truth to one another. War and business were separate. I would conceal those things from her, for her. In matters of the mind or heart, however, I wanted the two of us to always be true. I said that I would always be in love with Akimi and I meant it. I also believed that I had shown it. I had traveled 7,000 miles to get her, climbed five miles of mountain and walked five miles of forest and three miles of field. I had risked my life and my freedom for Akimi Nakamura and I always would. The thing was, Chiasa had risked her life and freedom for Akimi too. And that moved me. Chiasa had come up with Akimi's grandmother's address in the Hidaka Mountains. Chiasa had saved Akimi's passport and made it possible for us to be here in Korea as well as to move on to the United States without legal risk. Without Chiasa, Akimi and I may not have ever gotten back to one another safely. I knew that without saying it aloud. That mattered a lot. Although these were surely not the only reasons that I also loved Chiasa, they were reasons that gave my connection to Chiasa much more weight than a crush on a badass pretty girl. Chiasa, I believed, was not offensive to Akimi and my love. Chiasa was an asset that made all of us strong. And having more than one wife was my culture and was within the boundaries that Allah has drawn for all believers in our faith. Islam. Chapter 13 The Cautious Professor It would have been nice to drive to Seoul in the daylight, but I had to finish some work in order to prepare my assistant for tomorrow's class that I will be missing, Professor Dong Hua said. It's no problem, I told him. We were riding in his wife's minivan, but the professor was driving. You only think that it's no problem because you have never seen the beauty of the historic Nak Dong River or our rice fields or our bridges. I saw the beautiful bridges over Busan, and I saw many rice fields in Japan, I added, just to throw him off, the way he tried to do me at times. That's not the same thing, he said, at a lower volume than everything else he had announced proudly. The professor booked two rooms at the Hyundai Suites located in Seoul. He warned me that it wasn't a tourist area, but he chose it because 
it was large enough for his family even though they were only planning on an overnight stay. It had the kitchen, washer and dryer, and other items a normal family needs to be organized. I gave him $150 up front. I assured him whatever Akimi and I needed, I would pay for. We had arrived around midnight, so everyone was preparing to rest. Can we talk downstairs in the lobby? The professor asked me. Akimi, I'll be right back, I told her. She was figuring out the television remote. Hi, she said, turning and looking into me as she always would. About tomorrow, he said cautiously when we were alone, seated in the hotel lobby. What about it, I asked. I'd like to take things one step at a time. I'd like for Sun Yoon and I to see Akimi's grandmother alone first. We think it'd be better if Sun Yoon tells her mother about Ju Yoon and her ashes. The professor was being careful and considerate to me. I think he was also wary of my reactions after the situation between me and the guy who claimed to be Akimi's father. I liked that he was cautious. He needed to respect my marriage the same way I respected his. No problem, I told him gently. What time do you want me and Akimi to come, I asked him. Okay, so now we're on step two, he said, sounding like the professor he was. I'd like Akimi's grandmother to meet Akimi alone. You mean for her grandmother to meet with her first before meeting me? Akimi's husband. I must be step three. Yes, and I do want her to meet you, of course. You and Akimi are married. Here, in Korea, marriage is sacred and serious, he said, trying to calm me. I had noticed, though, that he didn't mention when I would actually be introduced to the grandmother. When, I asked. Let's check her schedule and see how it goes tomorrow. We really don't know what's going to happen. He said that thing again, about not knowing what's going to happen. Meanwhile, I was reflecting on what Black Sea had told me about Koreans and blood. If Sun Yoon had fainted when she saw me, could the grandmother go some steps further and catch a heart attack? No problem. I have some things I want to check out in Seoul, I told him. Really? What? He asked. He was so eager to know everything. But no one can know everything. Itawan, I said, remembering that the brother named Ali from Iran had told me that I could find an, an Islamic community in Itawan that included an Islamic center and halal foods, a mosque, and related products. Itawan, the professor repeated, like he knew something I should know. Watch your wallet carefully when you're over there. Are you still planning to leave late night to return to Busan? I asked him. We'll see what happens, he said again. I was feeling worried for my wife and for his mother-in-law. It seemed like Dong Hua and his wife were bracing themselves like people waiting on a storm that may or may not come at all. Akimi and I went walking in Seoul into the late night. 
our nights were precious to us, especially since I knew now that I would not see her tomorrow once her family matters got rolling. We ate at a fried chicken joint, and there were many to choose from. They rocked until 2 a.m. after other food places were closed. Fried chicken and beer and watermelon, Koreans had that in common with Africans. There were slight differences. Their fried chicken came with sides of cubes of white radishes. On second thought, fried chicken, beer, and watermelon, breakdancing, hip-hop, haircuts, and the urge to chill in the right fashions, young Koreans had all these things in common with American blacks. In the shower and steamed together, kissing Akimi felt warm and moist. She had her eyes closed and her hair was soaked through. Her fingers were still exploring my cuts. I didn't stop her from licking each one. I wanted to thank her for her love and her passion. I moved her back up against the hot, wet wall and ran my fingers down the front of her body. We went to sleep the same way we did in my Brooklyn projects and in Osaka and in Busan by the sea. Naked, her breasts against my back, her arm beneath my arm, and her pretty fingers wrapped around me. Right before sunrise, I peeled myself from my wife. I had to shower away our syrups and prepare to be clean and focused for the prayer. After prayer, I was exhausted. I went back to sleep in a separate bed thanks to Professor Dong Hua, who registered me and Akimi for double beds instead of a king size. I respected the cat, but from time to time I had to laugh at him. I considered that some people think for whatever strange reason that sex is dirty. The Quran encourages that a man should go into his wife. The boundary in our Quran is not around how a man and a woman make love and babies and pleasure for one another. The boundaries are that a woman and a man must be married. Once the nikah is performed, enjoy one another. Sayonara, Akimi said, before she left to go next door to join Sun Yoon. Why didn't she know I hated that word whenever it came from her lips?